Amen. Or if you're my daughter's RE teacher, palms. Amen. True story. She says palms in front of the whole school and feels no way about it. Amen. Psalms. Let's turn to the book of Psalms. You know, many people have memorized the psalm we're about to read right now. Um, It's been used many times to comfort people going through severe trials, personal trials, going through uh, suffering illnesses. Uh, For some people, this psalm has been the last thing they've ever said and then their life left them. We're going to look at an exposition of Psalm 23 this evening about the wonderful nature of God. We get an idea of the character of God. And this psalm, it uses imagery to depict God. We're going to look at two metaphors in which we're going to look at when we look at this psalm. And I've entitled this sermon, The Shepherd and the Host. The Shepherd and the Host out of Psalms chapter 23. Only six verses in this wonderful psalm. And as I read it, you can probably recite it off the top of your head. But what I want you to do is if you've got a Bible, keep your Bibles open. If you've got a phone or device with it, keep it open. We're going to be going through Psalm 23. We're going to start at verse number one here. Follow along with me. The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. and He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Can you say amen in this place? Psalm 23. Amen. So first you want to look at the Lord, the shepherd. Now this is kind of a, a, a split in a couple of verses. Verse 1 to 4 deals with the Lord being the shepherd. And in the two last verses, five and six, deal with the Lord being the host. So one and four, we're going to look at the Lord being the shepherd. Now, it's a familiar idea throughout the Bible as God being a shepherd. We understand that many verses of Scripture, God likens himself to a shepherd. We see that the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40, Isaiah 40 in verse number 11, he says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with the young. The prophet Zechariah, we understand it was him that said in chapter 13 and verse number 7, it says, if you strike the shepherd, then the sheep will be scattered. Uh, Jump over to the New Testament. It was John uh, chapter 10 where Jesus spoke of himself being the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. And he says that he knows his sheep and the sheep are known by him. They know his voice. Hebrews 13, the Bible speaks about Jesus saying that he is the the great shepherd of sheep. First Peter, Jesus calls himself, or he is known as the shepherd or the overseer of our souls. And again, first Peter 5 and 4 calls Jesus the chief Shepherd. So we understand it's not new to us that God likens himself to a shepherd. But why a shepherd? 
Why a shepherd? What is it about that role that God likens himself to? In Israel, in the olden times, in ancient Israel, and also in ancient societies, a shepherd was considered lowly work. It was considered one of these low jobs, a a lowly job. For example, when Jesse uh, displayed all his sons, when the prophet Samuel wanted to pick a king, he displayed all his sons and he forgot the shepherd. Because he's just, a she- oh, he's just some shepherd boy. Is anybody else? Oh, yeah. They call that, that shepherd boy. Because that's the type of job it is in families, in, in, in ancient societies. When they needed a shepherd, they would usually use the, the youngest. Because it's like, oh, I seen, you know, we're doing busy stuff. You go look after the sheep. It was seen as a lonely job. And, and David sees God, his savior, as a shepherd. And also the Lord identifies himself as a shepherd. And this says a lot about him and it says a lot about us. What it says about us is that David said, the Lord is my shepherd, obviously liking himself to a sheep. We understand that the Bible kind of likens the followers of Christ as sheep. That says a lot about us because if you think about the animal, you think about what they do, how they are, think about their defense mechanism. They don't have a defense mechanism. I was reading about sheep. Their defense mechanism is to play dead. Can you imagine? In the face of danger, what they do is they just lie on the floor. It reminded when I was looking at that, it reminds me of a game uh, I used to play as a kid. Now my kids are playing it as well. It's funny how life kind of cycles. Um, but it's Top Trumps. Anybody heard of Top Trumps before? Top Trumps is like a, a card game, and you have Top Trumps based on certain things. You can have Top Trumps based on uh, cars or based on uh, uh, characters uh, or based on animals. And I was thinking about a top chump. Now, what you would do in top chumps is that the person with the highest statistics wins. So if you had one with animals, if you had a lion, for example, that's going to be the king of the jungle. That's going to win. So if you had a sheep, you're not going to win over anything. And that's what we're likened to. We're likened to sheep. David felt that he needed a shepherd. And that shows that he was not self-sufficient. You know, it's a wise person that understands the need of God. You know, when I wake up in the morning and I, have the, and I see what is before me and I'm thinking about the, uh, the, the life that I live, I'm thinking about um, uh, the wife I have, the children I've got to raise with my wife, I'm thinking about now in ministry, I'm thinking about holding down a job at the same time, I'm thinking about uh, uh, you know, speaking to people, counseling people, I'm like, dear Lord God, I need you. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, it's a wise person that understands I can't do this on my own. And that's why it's a wise man, you know, commentators believe that David wrote this when he was a king. And he's saying, Lord, you're my shepherd. In other words, I'm not, I know I'm a king, but I'm like a sheep and I need a shepherd. Those who accurately sense their need understand that there is a God who is able to come and guide them. Like Jesus describing the poor in spirit in the Beatitudes, we find great comfort in the idea that God can shepherd us in such a personal way. It says a lot about us. It says we're a sheep. Sheep are vulnerable. They are dependent, but they're also self-willed. We just go and do our own stuff. The Bible says like a sheep gone astray. We just go and do and try and find our own way. It says we're a sheep. It also says a lot about God himself because he is willing to take on the role that shows care and guidance and protection and provision because of his great love. He's able to lower himself to say, you know, I'm going to be a shepherd for these poor sheep. I'm going to come and guide them because they need it. 
So we're going to look at this in detail in a couple of scriptures. I want to go through this psalm here. So verse number one. David went on to say, Lord is my shepherd. We understand that. But he says, I shall not want. So here we see two things. We see number one, a declaration. And then we see number two, a decision. He says, I shall not want. That's a declaration. Sometimes the gospel needs to just be declared. You don't have to try and busy your body around it. You don't have to try and find a a way or an argument around it. Sometimes you've just got to declare it. And here is a declaration. I shall not want. That word want means I shall not be in lack. I shall have everything I need. He is declaring if the Lord is my shepherd, I am going to not lack in any area of my life. The word behind it, chasha, is the Hebrew. It is I shall not lack. I shall not be without anything. And he is declaring that. He's saying, not maybe if the Lord is my shepherd, maybe I have it. No, I shall not lack. It's a, it's a declaration. And the second thing it is, is, is a decision. And we all understand that decisions determine destiny. I shall not want means I decide not to desire more than what the Lord, the shepherd gives me. We spoke about contentment the other day. We spoke about that. It is a decision. He says, I shall not lock. I'm, I'm going to make a decision to say, I'm not going to want anything else. <laughs> Because I don't need nothing else. Because you understand, if we have Jesus, we'll have all that we ever need. Can you say him in this place? So he's declaring it and he's also making a decision in that I shall not want. Verse number two, he goes on to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I always find that funny because it says he makes me lie down. Come on. (laughs) Because the implication there is that sheep don't always know what is best for them. Come on. Sometimes God is not going to have to make you do some things. And through my life, I've started to see sometimes how God works. You see, because God is sovereign and in complete control of everything. Sometimes God will allow things to happen so he can get your attention. Right? Sometimes God will allow things to happen so he can get you to stop or, or, or slow down or turn around. Sometimes he would do things. He'd be like, no, no, you need to rest. One of our pastors, Pastor Joe Campbell, uh, one of the leaders in our fellowship, he was going to be at our conference, but um, he, uh, he was in Australia a couple of weeks ago, um, and he had a heart attack. I think it was about the same time. Uh, Brother Antonio had a heart attack. I don't know what was going around there, but just as you survived, he survived as well. Amen. God bless. Amen. Uh, but um, as he was in, because, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's uh, in his uh, 80s now. He's been ministering. He's been all over the world preaching the gospel, been a, minister, uh, a missionary. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a church planter. He's had a full life just, just running around. Um, and um, he was in uh, Australia, stepped off the plane in the airport and literally collapsed. They had to um, do some chest compression so much that they broke some ribs when they was doing it. Um, and, and I'm told if you're broken ribs, you're doing it right. That's what I'm told as, 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 as a doctor. But anyway, I say that because he said, one of the things he said was in the hospital. He was ringing the, uh, the assistant pastor of his church. Uh, he says, man, God, shown, God sure knows how to get me to rest. Because <laughs> he's known for just not taking any rest, not taking any respite, just, just working, working, working. Uh, and he says, man, God has told me I need to slow down. So sometimes God will make you lie down in green pastures. God will make you say, no, 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 you need to stop what you're doing. You need to just chill out right here. Stop rushing around. Stop going this place. You need to calm yourself down, Brother Antonio. That's what God was telling you, man. God was making us rest. He would make us rest. And not just rest anywhere. 
in green pastures. Come on now. God has the best, our best interests at heart. While we're all trying to rush around doing all sorts of nonsense, God is like, I have green pastures for you here. Just rest. Find the rest. Jesus has said, listen, I've got rest for you. And I love it because Revelation 3 kind of alludes to this. In verse number 8, it says, that, talking about Jesus, it says, He opens and no one shuts, and He shuts and no one opens. Some of you may be banging on doors that God has shut, and He's shut for a reason. He knows what's best for us. He goes on today in verse number 2, He says, He leads me beside the still waters. Again, this is imagery of leadership because he understands what is best for us. He understands where the best place for us to refresh ourselves is. Because many times the water that we find is not very still. Come on, the water that we find is not very uh, uh, approachable. Sometimes we try to find refreshing other things, but we realize that it's not very refreshing at all. In fact, it brings more trouble than it's worth. Bible says, he leads us beside the still waters. Verse number three of our text, the Bible says, he restores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And here we get the idea of restoration. Because how many know, as sheep, we're going to make some inevitable dumb sheep-like decisions. Come on, that's, that's the nature of sheep. But the, the beauty here is that he restores. There is a restoration in the shepherd. That he can come. You see, when you look at sheep, uh, if they're on a field and stuff, they look so nice and white and fluffy like a little cotton wool balls. But on their own, they would get dirty and mucky. It's the shepherd that has to come and restore them. It's the shepherd that has to come and, and plump them up. It's the shepherd that has to do the restoration. And we understand that. We know that to talk about salvation. We know that to talk about repentance. We are restored when we give ourselves to the shepherd. And I love this verse, number four. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, previously in the text, David speaks about green pastures, still waters, paths of righteousness. Now, what a fantastic picture that is. Something you just want to go into. But then he flips the script and talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Because sometimes we need to understand that following the Lord as a shepherd, we may still walk through a valley of the shadow of death. Come on, just because we're following the shepherd doesn't necessarily mean that the places he leads us is always going to be bright and sunny and, and fluffy and, and, and green and, and partial and stuff. Sometimes we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But the Bible says, I will fear no evil. Can you say amen in this place? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this verse, and many people love this verse because when we're going through things, this is what gives us hope. That yes, all I see around me is the shadow of death. All I see around me is darkness, dryness, but I can get hope that your presence is with me. And here what it says, you, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they come for me. There's three things. It's his presence, his rod, and his staff. Come on, say that with me. His presence... His rod and his staff. You see, his presence makes all the difference. It's the presence of God that completely changes the situation. 
If I'm somewhere and the presence of God is with me, I'm okay. Can you say I'm in this place? It's the presence that gives you a hope. It's the presence that gives you a future. That I'm going to make it out of this because the Lord is with me. That's why Moses made it such a point. He's like, God, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with me. He understood it was the presence that made all the difference. It's the presence that makes you feel secure. It's the presence that makes you feel loved. You know, my, my wife, God bless her, sometimes uh, she sat next to me and I'm doing work or something like that. And we're not even talking. And I remember asking, I was like, well, you know, I'm not even talking. I'm busy. And stuff. She said, yeah, but sometimes it's just your presence. I was like, oh, man. Gosh. Come on. I didn't have that level of, I didn't know that was deep. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have that. It's just the presence. Because the presence makes all the difference. You know what I'm saying? Amen in this place. Come on. So when you have the presence of, uh, of God in your life, uh, you can walk through things uh, and it's the presence that will allow you to continue walking. Come on, you may see some trouble, some issues, but as long as you know that you are with me, it makes all the difference. The first thing is his presence. The second thing was what? His rod. Come on now, the rod. I love this because the rod signifies guidance, but also signifies discipline as well. Because sometimes when we go in our ways, we're doing our certain things, sometimes God needs to pull out the rod. And that's not just because he's sadistic, he likes to cause pain or issues. Sometimes, it's just, listen, he wants to save you from certain things. He wants to uh, save you from heartache. He wants to save you from going down the wrong path. Listen, it's the rod that brings corrections. We understand Proverbs 22 and verse number 15. It says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Come on, the rod of correction. Some people don't like the rod of correction. Some of you know what the rod of correction is. Come on now, you know. My parents did not spare the rod of correction. Come on. And it wasn't an actual rod. Uh, sometimes it was other things. Hey, praise God. <laughs> but I thank God for the rod of correction. Maybe the man I am today. Come on. I can see it. I can visibly see people where the parents had no rod. I can see it. When I speak to them at work, when I see them on the streets, I can, hey, there was no rod in your life. I can see it. What you need is a rod. That's all you need. That's what you need. Sometimes when you're asking, you're seeing people. I don't know if you've ever been to a shop or something. And you're seeing little Johnny just, just going crazy, right? Just going crazy. Just tearing stuff off the shelf and stuff like that. I just walk past. I'm like, dear Lord, all you need is a rod. The Bible says it will drive it far from him. Far. That's revelation right there. If you haven't got any children, you're going to have children. Just make sure you go to the shop, buy yourself a rod. Amen. <laughs> Figuratively speaking, all right? Don't actually, go, don't actually go get a rod, okay? Come on, praise You know what I'm saying? His presence, his rod, and the last thing is what? His staff. His staff. Now, that's an idea of protection. You see, as a shepherd uh, in those days, they would carry... Uh, I mean, some commentators believe this was the same thing. Um, you know, I mean, it, if it was the same thing or two individual uh, items, but it, the, 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 the meaning remains the same. The staff was there to protect the sheep that they, because they can't protect themselves. Remember we talked about their defense mechanism? Just to drop, like, drop dead, right? That's not going to protect you. So the shepherd 
would come with his staff. When like David, when the lion or the bear came, he would use that staff to fend off issues or fend off problems. So first we have the presence of God. God is with us. We have his rod who is able to keep us on the straight and narrow. Then he has his staff that when the Bible calls the devil, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, I've got a shepherd who's got a club. Can you say amen in this place? That when that lion comes... Power right on the head there. So the shepherd is able to protect me with his staff. I love it because with going through the valley of shadow of death, but we've got his presence, his rod, and his staff. That is the Lord as the shepherd. Secondly, the Lord as the host. In the last two verses here, verse number five, the Bible says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. David gives a beautiful picture here. The table suggests bounty. Uh, preparation suggests a, a foresight and care about the future. And before me suggests a personal connection. He prepares a table. When I read that, it kind of gives me a picture of, you know, I've been invited to a few weddings in my time, but it's all, I'm always a, 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 amazed because when you get the invitation, when it comes to the reception, there's a table prepared, can you say amen in this place? And not only that, your name is on the seat, amen. Well, if you've been invited, it should be, amen. If you're one of those ones that just kind of sneak in, your name's not there, but my name was on the table, amen, and it was there, and they prepared a place, and I think about that, they had to think about that beforehand, they had to prepare things, get some things in order and then write the card, put my name there. So it gives me an idea that God is preparing something for us, preparing something in the midst of trouble around us, in the midst of enemies. He can still prepare that for you. And that is the idea of this host. He's able to be hospitable to us. And it it says here that he anoints our head and the cup runs over. It suggests more than we actually deserve. More than we deserve, then the cup runs over. It's more than we actually deserve, more than we actually need. The anointing of the oil talks about an abundance here in verse number five. In verse number six, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, that is a fantastic host. Because um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, sometimes people uh, invite me or my family round to their house, and, and I'm, I'm blessed, I, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm blessed. Uh, uh, just the other night, I think it was last night, Toby, God bless him, hosted me, man, he cooked up jollof rice chicken. Hey, I didn't know he can cook like that. Come on, man, I left blessed. But I've, it's happened to me before that you come, you're, and, and the host has is, 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 is been hospitable to you, and it's been a fantastic night, and sometimes I get so comfortable, I forget about the time, um, and I see the host just looking at their watch kind of thing, like, uh, kind of yawning, like, sure is late, and just talk, and just, uh, just say, oh, boy, I can't wait to go to sleep. And, I, and sometimes I forget the key, I forget the cues. I'm just there chilling still, uh, outstaying my welcome, you know what I mean? And because the host is trying to get me to get out of the house now. Come on, now leave. But not so with God, because he's saying when you come, you can dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? 
Come on, forever. So he is the host of hosts. He understands this. I'm hosting you. I'm being hospitable, not just for a couple of hours and I kick you out. No, I'm being hospitable that you can come and dwell in my house forever. And goodness and mercy shall actually pursue you. It should follow you all the days of your life. He is the greatest host. He is the host with the most. Can you say amen in this place? He is the one that's able to come and bring us in. Even though we we don't even deserve it. We don't deserve to enter into the king's house and eat from the king's table. But that's exactly what God has ordained for us. Us, us wretched people. He's saying, come, I want you to dwell in my house. Come, in fact, take those garments off. I want to put new garments on you. I want you to come and dwell in my house. We understand the Lord is our shepherd and the Lord is also our host. What a wonderful psalm that is. So really, what we've got to talk about now is that our response. How do we respond to the Lord, our shepherd? And how should we respond to the Lord, our host? We need to recognize his love. You see, because not, not everybody is willing to take that job of care for us. Not everybody is willing to take that job that would host us and be hospitable forever. We need to recognize that. And our response should be like the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, we understand the prodigal son. Here we have this man living uh, under his father's roof. And he, for some reason, decided, listen, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to be better on my own. And he goes out, the Bible says, and uh, takes his uh, belongings and, and lives a prodigal life. What a picture of the father. Because the father loves us so much, he would even let us do what we want to do. Want to go and do some nonsense? He would be so gracious to say, fine, go ahead. I'll let you do that. And we know the story. He does that. He realizes he goes and wastes all his money and he's now uh, serving uh, in a pig pen. And he came to himself. The Bible says he came to his senses and, and realized how he had it in his father's house. Sometimes we need to come to our senses. When we're going around doing all sorts of nonsense, we're going around living our own life, we need to remember how it is in the Father's house. We need to remember how it is in the Father's house, not to forget where we live, not to forget that God has decided to take this role as shepherd, that God has decided to host us even though we don't deserve it. Our response should be to come back home. Whenever we go astray, our response is to come back home. Whenever we make a mistake, we need to remember this is God's design. He is a a host. He wants us to come back home. And what a picture of the father we understand in Luke 15, that when the, 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 the son made his decision to walk back home, the father was out there looking for him. Bible says he saw him from afar off. He can only do that if every day he went out looking. He went out there searching. He went out there seeing if he would come back. That's the God that we serve. Psalms 23 is one that we already have in our heart. But when you look at it, when you read it again, just recognize that David was speaking about his father. We can make it personally, personal to us as well. The Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? Come on now. Lord, he prepares a table for me. Come on, does he prepare a table for you? Come on, Amen. We need to recognize our response every time we wake up. We recognize who God is and who he characterizes himself to be. When we're going through things, just remember his presence, his rod, 
and his staff. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. The shepherd and the host.